So they're about to, they're almost at extinction. And the, through grace, this brother and sister science team discovers that they can harness the shape of the Taurus and uh, create a mini universe. And if, and, and if they can spin it fast enough and what they do, and this is just part of the story, is they, they use all of their resources, pretty much every last resource of energy to spin this original Taurus fast enough to get it to, to self-generate and become a self-generating energy um, source that then once they perfected it, they can then turn it into everything that a little one tiny could power a computer to a larger could power a whole city. And then you got to accentuate the positive. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hi there, welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. As always, wonderful to be with you all again. And please remember, if you're liking the shows, hit that subscribe button and that like button and send us a message. Leave your comment. Let us know what you think. I always love to hear your points of view, all of them, all your points of view. Well, today on the show, I have the glorious Dana Dunbar to speak to us about her latest project. Welcome to the show, Dana. Thank you. So wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me on, Karen. This is very exciting, actually. And I we've got a lot to talk about because you sent me an email saying, you know, I, I listen to the shows and I really believe in what you're doing. And I'm listening to your you and I'm like, oh, she's so aligned with what I'm doing. Like we're completely mm-hmm. aligned. Yes. But let me let me tell uh, people a little bit about you because I've got your bio here as a child. Dana was an avid reader of classic novels, wanting to tell stories like the ones she read. Her first foray into creative writing was in an elective screenwriting class in college, but her teacher was very discouraging. So Dana believed she would never succeed as a writer. She searched for her place and purpose in the world, but it wasn't until June 1994, while camping in Sedona, Arizona with a friend, Dana had an encounter with an extraterrestrial being of light who communicated she would write about this race of beings in the future. This is when her writing journey began as she wanted to share the story of this race with the world. But creating an awakened world novel with a world with well-developed characters and a compelling story was beyond her skills at the time. So Dana began writing screenplays. She worked on the crew of the film William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet starring Leonardo DiCaprio and this spurred her creativity even further. After finishing the film, she wrote four screenplays in four years teaching herself writing and storytelling with feedback from industry professionals. Dana received her master's degree in spiritual psychology and wrote her first novel, The Saints and the Sinners of O.K. County, a story about Aletta Honor, a woman who overcomes her self-doubt and shame and follows her inner voice to find her authentic self. I'm loving, loving the synopsis of this book. The second, her second novel, 
The Wings That Fly Us Home is a sequel to Saints and Sinners and has received wonderful reviews. In 2014, almost exactly 20 years to the day Dana had the E.T. encounter, she finally began the novel receiving the idea and the title Awake, The Legacy of Akara, a spiritual sci-fi thriller about an awakened race of beings. In order to complete the task, she began working with the brilliant Julia Nadine Padua, Padua, Padua. Mm-hmm. who you met when you were undertaking your master's degree in spiritual psychology at the University of Santa Monica. Julia, a former award-winning Madison Avenue advertising executive, is currently a spiritual intuitive life purpose coach and writer and creative consultant and collaborator. Together, they labored for seven years to to perfect the manuscript and share it with the world at this turbulent time in the evolution of human consciousness. Today, Dana is an award-winning novelist published by Ballantine Books. Her two previous novels were selected for exclusive Ballantine Readers Circle. With Awake, she has fulfilled her lifelong desire to write a spiritual sci-fi fiction thriller inspired by her E.T. encounter. So cool. (laughs) (laughs) And... uh, and you've had some amazing people, you know, write about the book. You've had Ileana Van Dance. I don't even know how to say her name, but she's. No, I can say her name. Yes. It's Ileana Van Zant. Yes. Ileana Van, say it again. Ileana. Ileana Van Zant. Yeah. yeah. And Marcy Smirnoff, Dr. Jean Houston, Dr. Ron mm-hmm. Hulnick, Rick Archer, Daniel Schmidt, Aaron Abke. Asira mm-hmm. Sananda. So that's the Australian yes. spiritual teacher. That's right. Yes, Asira, yes. Like years. There's a stack of them. And I'm amazed when I read all these things, like how did you find all these people? How did you know all these people? Yeah. How did you find them? Well, we between Julia and me, we had some contacts. Uh, but honestly, Rick Archer, who is the host of Buddha at the Gas Pump podcast, mm-hmm. we sent him, we, we did not know him. Um, we sent him a book, a manuscript, and he absolutely fell in love with it. And he has, he sent out to many of his contacts that he's interviewed and said, would you give them a blurb? Because he's a huge believer in it. He thinks it's like the next Star Wars or Matrix. His, his quote is just incredible. Um, and so, and Osiris said the same thing. She compared it to to films like that. So um, yeah, so we were able to get to some really amazing people through him. And then we have some contacts ourselves as well. Yeah, amazing. Look, my desire to see more media, you know, the reason I went on media 12 years ago now was because I saw how the media industry is is pumping out so much fear and violence. And I just, in my small drop in the ocean, I just thought I've got to pump out some more enlightened messages. And so that was my whole purpose for going on media Mm, as a spiritual teacher. I've got to say the media has taken over my um, identity. People think, aren't you just a podcast interviewer? And I'm like, no, (laughs) I'm a spiritual teacher, but this is my service to sort of pump out messages through the media because yes. I love watching, you know, movies and media. I, yes. I love this. It's it's such a powerful avenue, yes, um, of um, information. And I think that I think that many people know that. Anyway, there's a longer story. But let's hear let's hear about what happened with, all those years ago in 1994. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I went camping in Sedona, which is a hugely powerful, um, if not the most powerful uh, energy vortex in the United States. Um, and uh, huge uh, Red Rocks fires um, at this place and vortexes everywhere. Uh, and so went camping there and it was up three miles up this dirt road, very remote. You can't even get up there really anymore now and certainly can't camp. Uh, and um, found a place a friend of mine told me about this place, like drive three miles. It was like, you know, this secret, secret location and went with my then girlfriend and um, we, the, the site itself was just um, 360 degrees of red rock spires, you know, uh, going up into the celestial realms. It was just amazing. And um, we uh, had, there, there was this medicine wheel on the, on the place, but when we showed up and it was just this very powerful place Well, neither of us, we both thought, well, surely there's, there are extraterrestrials because of just the sheer number of planets in the world, but it wasn't anything that either of us was drawn to, or, you know, it's like astrology. Cool. But you know, it's not something I'm putting my time into type of thing for me. Um, and so, um, but one day we went down and, uh, to town and there are several new age bookstores there. And we went into one to get out of the heat and, uh, there was a meditation happening and, uh, this man, uh, who was leading the meditation at the end of the meditation said, we're calling in a mothership to come over the, the building. And Chris and I just looked at each other and we're like, what? There's no, you know, this is so Sedona, you know? And he had written this book about UFO encounters in Sedona. And we're like, this is so cool. You know, it's like you go to a luau in Hawaii and you go to, you know, the new age bookstore UFO guy in um, Sedona. And so we went back up and that same day, um, we, we just went to the medicine wheel and did some, you know, spiritual practice, some beautiful, just put on some beautiful music. And as the sun was pretty much right as it said and the sky was darkening i looked up and in like this it was like in the constellation scorpio right on the horizon um i saw it was as soon as i looked at it this light started moving and it started moving away from us in this swimming kind of motion and i went chris it's moving and she turned around she went oh my god it is and something came over me. I think it was because of we'd been in nature for three days and we'd been doing these practices, whatever it was. I just was like, if you if you see us, if you know that we're here, we see you and we, we can communicate with you. We'll communicate with you. So I just reached out to them. And the instant I said that, the, the light started to move back toward us. And it came and came right in front of us. And then it seemingly out of nowhere, these two other smaller lights because i guess because they were farther away i'm not sure if it was the size of the ships or how the, the distance but the big one was right in the center and then these two other ones were right here and they they were like sentries like two little sentries and then the big one here and um and it was kind of this orangish hue and i could couldn't see any metal or anything it was this light that was moving this moving light and um uh, kind of like spinning light and I said, I, I got afraid at that point. And I said, Chris, they must, they want to talk to you <laughs> because Chris had done some astral projection before. And I had never done anything like that before. I'd been meditating for some time and had had 
some interesting experiences with that, but I just was like, they want to talk to you. So she actually went out to the medicine wheel and she laid down in the medicine wheel and that's how she meditated. So she laid down and immediately I saw a light come out of her body and go up to the ship and then come back down like circle. And I just went, you'd be good to her. And I heard immediately just telepathically, I heard a female voice that said, don't worry, we will. And I could not believe it, Karen. I recognized the voice and I said, oh my God, Kaya, is that you? And the reason I knew this voice is because for the previous six months, something was ha- had happened to me that I'd never experienced before. And that was when I meditated, which I was just doing like breathing, watching my breath practice, um, this energy that felt this being in front of me and just, and, and she, every time I close my eyes to meditate, she would just be there right in front of me. And we would just have this beautiful, you know, just this loving experience and not really any talking. And I would tell, I told a few friends who, and I said, I don't know what's happening, but this chicks, he keeps showing up, you know, I don't know who she is, but she says her name's Kaya. And so I really believe that she had been preparing me for six months for this encounter, you know, because time is relative, like it it doesn't exist, especially for them. So it was like, because, you know, I was not really very prepared for this experience. Chris was able to do this thing, but so I said, oh my God, Kai, is that you? And, and she said, yes, it is. And we started to have a communication and I asked her, you know, why are you here? Uh, and she said, we're here because the earth is in a very important transition right now. There's a really big um, possibility that of, of evolution or destruction. And she said, we are here not only observing, which is very important to us to see what's going to happen, but to hold for the planets as well. She did say they were not going to interfere, um, like, you know, land on White House lawn or something like that. Um, She said, but they are holding for us. And when they have an opportunity to have a connection like this, you know, which it seems was not that often that they would do that. And then we just, you know, sat in this kind of, you know, beautiful love. Like I've never felt the kind of love, the amount of love I I felt was so powerful. And then at some point I saw that the light from going from Chris up to the ship stopped and she stood up right after the light stopped and came back over and she told me her experience and which was amazing. I don't really go into it because it was her her experience, but it, she, she was with a male uh, being who was also just this profound loving experience and um, no, no huge fireworks, but just this incredible communion. And then I said, well, I was in the middle of a conversation, so I think I should finish finish it. And so I went out into the uh, medicine wheel and I looked up at the ship and I said, okay, I'm ready. I'm I'm ready to come up. And Kaya just, she said, um, it it was like, kind of like, hold on a moment. And I could tell she was uh, communing, you know, communicating with the other beings. And and, and she came back to me and she said, you can't come up. Uh, She said, you're not ready your energy body, you, you, you wouldn't be able to handle it. And I was really disappointed for a moment. And I said, Oh, you know, why not? You know, and she's like, yeah, you just, you can't handle it. And so I said, well, can you come here? And she said, yes, I can. 
And I really understood at that moment that if I hadn't asked, she wouldn't have come. So she was very happy that I asked. So I immediately saw in front of me, like, well, I closed my eyes because that's how I'd always uh, communicated with her. And then I felt her presence more than I ever had before, right in front of me, just like as physical presence. And I, and then I opened my eyes and I saw an outline of her face and her uh, torso, but just barely, it was like this filament of light, but I could barely see her. And, um, it was, it was, it was just beautiful, but I was just like, Oh, I want to see her. And then suddenly the fire from the, the, the campfire, the smoke from the campfire wafted over her face and her neck and her shoulder. And it filled in her features. You know, when you hold a flashlight into smoke, how it, you can see the beam, like, it, like it's solid. I could see her whole face and her neck and her and her shoulder. And, and she was beautiful. She was hairless. Her eye was kind of, she had a large eye and she was very lean very lean and long, long, beautiful kind of neck. And so, uh, and then I just, and, and I was just breathtaking. And then we just sat there and, she, and she, like I said, the love was so powerful and she wanted to touch me so badly. She was so like, it was like this loving presence and she wanted to like hold me. And so at one point she put her hand on my shoulder, this shoulder here, and it went inside of my body and I started to shake. My energy body went like, like this and I couldn't and I said you can't touch me and I because I couldn't handle her the where she was vibrating at her energy and, and and then we just sat there and it was just it was just this bliss until I finally just said well I should probably get back to Chris and she said yes you should and I stood up and walked back and then we just saw watched sat there and watched them and they just had they they did these all these different maneuvers and like you know, being in one place at one time and then appearing in another place. And, and we just watched them till like two o'clock in the morning and, and they just were flying around. And then the next day, you know, and then we went to bed and the next day I got the guidance that I would start right. I would write about them one day. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Uh, okay. Oh, so many questions. Where are they from? Comes up. Did they say? She didn't say, you know, I, I, my sense is there's, there's a, a Pleiadian connection. Mm -hmm. That's where they are in the book uh, that I put them in the book. Um, but she didn't say it was so interesting because there was so little. And if I had to do it over again, I'm sure I would have gotten more mental with it, you know, maybe like taking notes or something, but um, partly it was, it was just immersed in this, this, uh, bliss state with her this loving presence that I just I, I it, nothing none of that mattered so I didn't I didn't we didn't have a lot of conversation but I did afterwards I started getting downloads of sacred geometry of uh, quantum science quantum healing all kinds of downloads like how the earth is moving from one dimension to the next and how we're in this transition seeing like visual representations of all this so almost everything went into the book so I what I did get a lot of information later but I'm not exactly sure the the planet but you still have communication with her Yes, it's never been like that before, again, like that that level. But she is like she now she's like one of my guides. Yeah, you know she's a guide for me, and I know her presence is so powerful. And um, 
Yeah, it's it's wild because I think, you know, and I've been reading more about this, that it's like I feel like in a way she might be me from the future. Next question. That was the next question. Yeah. <laughs> you've, you've totally read my mind. What was your what's your relationship with her? Are you part of her race? Are you her in the future? Yeah. yeah like, I think I yeah. I mean I just got chills when I said it. I'm right. kind of just now seeing opening up to that. Yeah. I just had a powerful um experience inner experience where she did come to me very very strongly in her energy body and 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 i got i was like <gasps> blown away because it's like um yeah i think she's me and, and possibly like not just me but like kind of like a i don't know if you know the law of one material but like mm-hmm. a social memory complex the you know the, the, a group of of souls but but somehow you know some manifestation of my soul in the future is mm-hmm. what it's starting to kind of come to me. And, and it freaks me. I'm like, it's hard for me to honestly say that, to be honest, Karen, because it's, she was so, so powerful and magnificent. So that kind of just shows like, oh, I'm still, you know, identifying myself to some degree with this, you know, little limited incarnation, which Absolutely. is nuts. I know because yeah. she, I mean, but, but that's how, magnificent she is but oh that's how magnificent we all are and um, I was saying to someone in one of the last podcasts or shows or I don't know online talking to somebody (laughs) uh, that you know my hardest job is to convince people of their brilliance because we all are like we're like we're an extension of the source we we're infinite creative potential we're amazing we can be anything and yet from our human um, limited perspective yeah, it's just that sentiment, that statement. Like, uh, it's hard for me to believe that that could be me because, like, yeah, yeah that's. So- uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, the the it, it feels so miraculous, magical. Like the things that she can do, in in, in time and space are not are completely right. irrelevant. You know, it's just <clears throat> totally irrelevant, and um, the quantum <laughs> science and everything is so cool (laughs) and and yet her message or the message or the arrangement that you be here now in a physical body and she be there in her whatever body and that you have this communication is to remind us the human race of our potential and who we are I mean that's that's, it that's that's it that's that's the whole thing and that's what my novel is about that's what the book is about is to remind us of our potential because we've really you were saying this before story has been hijacked right uh it's been hijacked by the ego and um it used to have a hold a place that was mythic and visionary and aspirational often and now you it's very rare that we see that jesus was the master storyteller as we know his story, his story of his life, but his, the stories he told as well. Storytelling, so powerful. It's tribal cultures worldwide tell yeah. stories to aspire to, to give vision of what we, what they are, who we are in our souls and what can we can become. And now we, we're starting to see more and more this story of us as I call it like parasitic greed monsters, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and like this dystopian vision of earth as a ruined planet. Mm-hmm. That's the story that's the prevalent story that we're seeing these days in one form or another and so what i'm trying to do it feels like a you know quite a mountain climb is to not you know it's not like okay i really believe 
that we're that all of that's going to go. People love their murder mysteries, you know, and their cop shows and their whatever and their soap opera dramas. But thirty percent? Can we come up with thirty percent that that are like this? You know, this that it is, is is like this super cool, you know, story with teachings throughout. You know, is that possible for us? So that's what I'm. That's the yeah. guidance that I received in 1995. I went and did an Anthony Robbins thing in Hawaii. I don't know something mastery something. I can't. It's a long time ago, mm-hmm. and yeah, he called it infotainment like infotainment and uh yeah we're getting so much information through our entertainment and you know what sort of messages are we getting oh i could talk about that all day uh but another question i have chris what has she done with that encounter like has she tucked it away has she written about it has she changed her life like what what did she do with that encounter well, it stayed with her uh, the whole time. It, it changed her in that it deepened her spirituality in a profound way. But she is kind of in awe of me actually around this because she's like, you really did something with it. You know, she said, we talked about it so much and that, you know, that this needs to get out. The story needs to get out. And, 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 and you know, you actually did it. You followed this for 20 years before I started writing. I wrote everything else in preparation for this. Um, And so she's, yeah, she's just kind of blown away. So she didn't really do anything with it in her life. And, but she's so happy that I did. And through this, through you becoming more public about it, is she willing to sort of talk about her experience? Is she willing to share it? I'm sure she would be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure she would be. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the book. Um, and you say Akara and not Akara, which I find interesting. <laughs> it's Akara, yes. Why do you pronounce it like that? Mm, I don't know. That's just what came through. That's what came through. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Is Akara more what, what Aussies would say? No, it's not. Oh, okay. uh, but, you know, when you read it, like uh, what's the name of the book? The le- the the legacy of Akira. I don't know. I just that just when I read it, I d- thought. And then I heard you say Akara, right. and uh, yeah, which is the way I pronounce my name. Most people call me Karen, but it, my yeah. mother was very insistent. It's 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 Karen. But that hard A, yeah, that hard A is that heart chakra. Right. It's that it's the sound oh. of the heart. Yes. So Akara sort of is really evoking that heart energy. Uh, yeah. Yes, beautiful. I love that. I hadn't thought of ac- it. Instead mm-hmm. of Akira. So right. um, yeah, so that was something that I picked up. So let's let's talk about the book. What's the premise of the book? So it starts on, on Akara, uh, an awakened planet. And uh, Mobius is a young uh, candidate for the space discovery program. And he finds a relic um, while on a mission, he finds a relic from a thousand years before in, um, on the planet. And, and in a, on Akara, a thousand years before they were in the ravaging era, they were in what we're basically in now, but even more heated up, more intense. And um, a space commander, he finds on this relic that a space commander from that era had planted, uh, gone to Earth, and which he didn't even know about <laughs> at the time, uh, and um, planted a time capsule in a Mayan pyramid that would cause the planet to implode on December 21st, 2012. 
So that's the reason for the end of the Mayan calendar. And uh, he realizes he and this, his you know, crew of uh, Discovery Corps candidates and their mentor, Kaya, um, you know, race to Earth to save the planet. And because uh, they have now, they've been for a thousand years before, Akara entered the age of the rebirthing from the ravaging to the rebirthing. So now it's an awakened planet. And so they realize, oh my gosh, the ravaging era space commander is you know, gonna destroy this beautiful planet. We have to go save it. So then they land on earth and then it's this geo quest with a Mayan, a jungle ranger in the Guatemalan Mayan biosphere preserve where Tikal is, there are many uh, Mayan ruins in Guatemala and a billionaire heiress who uh, is down trying to to save animals. And um, they go on this geoquest through Mayan ruins trying to find where this time capsule is and um, prevent the end of the world. You know, as I'm listening to the story, I'm thinking just the story of what Earth is going through at the moment would make an incredible high sci-fi novel for another yeah. planet. <laughs> it's true. For yes. another planet who's yeah. reading about this crazy Earth experience. And yes. Yeah. Well, they're, anyway. they, believe me, they're entertained. They are definitely fascinated with what's going on here and what, how, how we're going to handle this and what, you know, if we're going to make it through for sure. Absolutely. So, yeah. So the, the story is um, it's a fun. So what I was guided to do is write a fun sci-fi adventure that would get to a mainstream audience rather than uh, some people who would never read nonfiction, spiritual teaching. Um, and so, and, and there are many teachings throughout, like I said, there's quantum science, there's sacred geometry, there's teaching about oneness. Um, they have a consciousness of oneness. It's in the planet. It's how they live. Uh, you get to go to this awakened planet. Like, what would that look like? How do they live? How, what's their economy? Like, how do they relate? What's, what is, what are their values? <clears throat> um, and uh, so that is really, it's this, a lot of awakening material throughout the novel, but done in the form, I call it a Trojan horse. So, you know, you get in the gate with this epic adventure, but then you let out the, the, the soldiers of spiritual teaching in the middle. Right. Love it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Which, uh, which has happened throughout, you know, the entertainment industry. Um, but it's always wrapped in violence. Always. Right. You know, I'm thinking of the Matrix. Um, yeah. Uh, what's the big one that the, with the blue people on the other planet? What's it? Avatar. Avatar. Yeah, Avatar. Very, um, very violent. Yeah. Yeah. there's a little violence in here there's a there's a drug gang a guatemalan drug gang there's you know there's some violence but it's not it's not anywhere near either of those at all yeah. um but it is you know it is a uh, you know it's more like star wars kind of you know feel as far as the well star wars is about war <laughs> it's like right. it's, always, it's always wrapped in violence it's, it's as yeah. if we can't be entertained without something blowing up or people, yeah. or people's lives being threatened or yeah uh, this is very mild compared yeah. to what most of most of them are but there is some um you know some of that because it's like you know uh, it's a fun car chases and you know exciting barely getting by you know out of these incredible scrapes and um yeah, and the and here's the thing too, Karen. Um, <laughs> uh, they're in the Guatemala jungle and the Mexican jungle where the Mayan um, 
pyramids are. Mm -hmm. And that is nuts down there. So it's really talking about what's happening in those, the jungles Mm -hmm. that are being destroyed and why they're being destroyed too. So that comes through as well. So the, you know, they land on earth and it's like, you know, they say, oh my gosh, we're going down into a snake pit, you know, compared to like where they are. It's like, you know, this is crazy ego driven place right now. Like we want to save them. And it's like, oh my gosh, they're, it's kind of, it's very intense for them to, uh, to face. They're not used to that con the consciousness at all. Yeah, absolutely. Earth is a snake pit compared to, uh, you know, evolved civilizations. Uh, I, I did a show on, um, Elizabeth Cara, who, Clara, who had an encounter with an extraterrestrial being in, in the 50s, took her to another planet in Alpha Centauri. Mm. And anyway, but one thing that struck me was when they were landing, they were always landing. She was in South Africa on the top of the mountains because they said the pollution on Earth is just so. In the, the 50s. Top. That was yeah. in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's that's intense. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. like our environment for races that you know are are evolved that are not doing to their planet what we're doing it's toxic it's like a toxic snake pit i'm sure they have i'm sure they have technology that allows them uh to you know to to exist in this um in this world if they come here but just thinking about your encounter with um what's her name again kaya kaya Kaya. Mm -hmm. she came in her light body Yes. So she came, she didn't sort of manifest into a more denser form. Right. Did, did she explain that to you or you, you weren't asking questions at the time? It was just. Yeah, no, she didn't. But it, I mean, to me, it's pretty obvious. It's like, and this is goes is this is in the novel, her coming in the, uh, in her light body and stuff. I mean, they do land in, in their actual bodies, but she does, you know, she comes in her light body first. You know, if you can t- do it that way, and not have to land a ship and, you know, uh, whatever, you know, um, and, and deal with whatever gravitational issues or densities, um, then, and she should, she could just be right in front of me in her light body. So it was, you know, I, what, there wasn't ever, a uh, it didn't seem like a possibility that there, they would actually land and come out in their physical form. It, but that's why Chris could go up, you know, in her light body and then Kaya could come down. Um, so I think that was, you know, on purpose. I, I don't know. I mean, it's easy to get lost in the veil here too. So, and Chris, your friend, you saw her a light leaving her body and going up to the ship. So she went up to the ship in her light body or astral That's form, right. we call That's it. That's right. And yet they said to you that they didn't want to take you up there because you weren't ready energetically. Did they right. explain that further, like how you could get more ready? It's interesting, yeah, a million questions. Why Chris yeah. was and you weren't, like has right. Chris' spiritual practice been like had she been meditating more like she well she had done some astral traveling some right. some very consciously she was very very much wanting to do it it had happened to her kind of spontaneous spontaneously one time and then she was really wanting to and so she had actually uh, studied tried and practiced had not had a lot of success at it but she was very open to it and had had that one experience so um i do i will tell you that just the experience that i had with kaya um and that night uh, blew me out for about a year 
I was so ungrounded for right. a year, you know, a year. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, you know, I came into this life with some heavy karma on with some past life stuff. So, you know, I mean, I've worked through a massive amount of it, but, right. you know, I didn't come in all, you know, like, you know, all awake Yogananda out, you know, when I'm five years old, uh, you know, I did, it's, it's so, like there's so much synchronicity happening just in this conversation right now. I'll tell you why, but anyway, go on. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I not sure why I was given the mission here, but, uh, you know, I, it's pulled me up. It's pulled me, uh, and my journey up much faster than I think it, I would have, um, you know, transcended. But- so I suspect this is one of the main messages to book that, you know, lots of people are, are listening, reading books and listening to extraterrestrial encounters. And they're like, oh, I want that to happen to me. But or spiritual experiences or, you know, spiritually yeah. transform it. Oh, I want that to happen to me. But there, there needs to be a level of consciousness available for that to happen to you. Like, yeah. um, it's so funny that you know, I was watching a movie last night about uh, uh, anyway, about a famous author author and mm-hmm. I met his daughter and was massaging her many years ago when I was a massage and she had a picture of Yokananda <laughs> this is what the spirit this is the synchronicities Period. on her dressing uh thing she was out here in a hotel and I was massaging her looking at this long-haired sort of Indian teacher thinking what is all this Indian guru stuff about you know that was my Period. question and I had this a crown opening experience where I felt like my head was viscerally kind of like my ears were hitting the walls but I was sick after that for so long like I had a Mm. headache like my energy body my body wasn't ready for the spiritual download if you like there you go yeah Yeah. and and I was Mm -hmm. channeling to her told her why she was here why she was on the planet why she chose the family she came in with like I'm doing all this stuff like I'm in my 20s I didn't know I could do any of this stuff I just couldn't stop my mouth talking. Like I'm, wow. my ego's going, you don't know this stuff. Shut up. Right. <laughs> and my mouth's just talking. And yeah, yeah. so I wasn't ready because I was still holding on to self criticism and just holding on to all that muck that we believe about ourselves. Yeah. Right. And right. so we've, we've got to do the work. We've got to like let go of the negative belief systems in order to be available yes. for this sort of thing. Yes, yes. And and then, yeah, and then grace can happen in spite of, you know, whatever, you know, however thick the veil still is for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, since then, I've had the veil has lifted completely right. uh, many, many times. And um, so, and it just keeps getting thinner and thinner. And so, you know, I think we kind of ripen ourselves to be able to have these kinds of experiences. We can't make them happen, but we can become ready for them to happen um so yeah i think that and and then it's just grace yeah grace and you know 20 years in the making or it's what 27 years in the making really isn't it the book because you spent seven years writing it writing it and uh and and humanity is ready for it now as well so let's get into the science in the book because you got all the downloads about the science what was the most profound thing that you learned that um the most profound thing in it, it's throughout the book, is the, uh, I started to see this image, this, this shape, 
uh, three-dimensional shape of a sphere with a uh, axis through the center and an empty axis through the center and 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 it and turning like this and spin it this way and then this way and i did not know what this thing was i just knew that it was somehow related to uh, the potentiality for infinite free energy uh, unlimited energy and um, it also was coming to me about that there could be this could be used for space travel and um, and, and jumping out of space time and then coming back in. And so I started to, uh, I, I, I spoke about it to a friend of mine who was this very cool kind of uh, highly evolved being. And he told me, he's like, oh yeah, that's called a Taurus. And I was like, oh, oh my God. And so I had no idea what it was even called and found out that it's sacred geometry and it's the shape of everything from you know, our, our human consciousness with the, the Sashumna, the central channel, and then the aura coming around and then coming back up like this to atoms, uh, the galaxies, you know, spiral galaxies. Um, and uh, even the universe is is in this shape. So it started to uh, take sh take shape for me about that if this could if so on on Akara, what they do is um, they at the end of the rebirthing era, I mean, the, at the end of the ravaging era, um, so they're about to they, they're almost at extinction. And the, through grace, this brother and sister science team discovers that they can harness the shape of the Taurus and uh, create a mini universe. And if, and, and if they can spin it fast enough and what they do, and this is just part of the story, is they, they use all of their resources, pretty much every last resource of energy to spin this original Taurus fast enough to get it to, to self-generate and become a self-generating energy um, source that then once they perfected it, they can then turn it into everything that a little one tiny could power a computer to a larger could power a whole city. And then they discovered that you could, you could use it. So how they travel uh, in their ships is they, uh, there's a Taurus in the ship and it's, to, and it's an active Taurus. And then they merge in consciousness with the Taurus. So then, and when they merge with it, and then they set in their, in their consciousness, the intention of where they're, they want to be in the universe in the physical universe. And then they blink out of existence into the center emptiness, the sacred emptiness of quant the quantum field. And then that with their intention, they then pop into the, the coordinates that they have intended. And they and so they're across the galaxy in seconds. And then there's quantum healing with it as well, because if you can, if you can merge with, if you can take that kind of the energy of the form, the, the movement of energy that is what we consider to be form, and then you can take blink out out of it. So uh, you, we know this from meditating. If we can go deep enough into the quantum field and consciousness, we can come out of it and and have healing experience. So using this technology can create that experience of coming going into the quantum field basically disintegrating not you know and, and resetting the uh, blueprint for our incarnation in a way that's 
whole and healed and um, released of, of the disease. It's amazing. So you were receiving all this information about the toroidal field while writing the book in those seven years, like while you were writing it, no, or did you receive that before? Before I started receiving this pretty much right after the experience, I started to have right. visions and, and get these downloads. Um, and then through, and so I knew, always knew this was coming. I always knew this book was coming, but I knew I wasn't ready. I just didn't have the chops as a writer. I didn't, and I, and the spiritual development either to be able to write about an awakened world. I was like, oh my gosh, there's a line in the book that says it was, you know, something, um, Oh, Diego, the jungle ranger, he's a, he's a, um, you know, ranger who protects the jungle. And he's, he says, you know, trying to understand that these are really aliens who've just landed in, in his midst is like trying to put his arms around the sun. <laughs> and that's how I felt about writing this book. It was uh-huh. like trying to put my arms around the sun. Uh-huh. And so, um, yeah, it took a long time for me to become an enough and then I still needed Julia who's the smartest person I know to come in and and help to um take it to a different level yeah and she's well versed in spiritual stuff too I didn't actually read out her bio let me just read her bio for those people a former award-winning Madison Avenue advertising executive she's currently a spiritual life coach I think did I read that before she's also Mm -hmm. a writer and creative because of partnership with the work she put together no what was it said that she'd spent time in ashrams where are we yes um yeah. uh, living for months in a buddhist retreat center and regularly attended t- 10 days silent meditation retreats in monasteries yeah so she's done a lot of uh, spiritual stuff but the toroidal field the taurus as you talk about is so well explained in the thrive what does it yes. take first movie and i saw yes. that i saw that like i don't know 10 years ago to 2012 I think it was 2012, and I met Foster Gamble, who made it, who was out in Australia mm. promoting it, and I went to a talk that he did. And that blew me away because I'd been involved in spiritual stuff for years and I'd heard about anti-gravitics and I'd heard about crop circles and I'd heard about aliens and I'd heard about spiritual stuff, but they were all in these other compartments, right? Then I watched this movie and he brought it all together in this movie and it blew my mind about how the crop circles are... 2d representations of energy and the toroidal field and you know yes. he made them 3d and stuff and i'm yes. like oh yes yes it was God. so cool i know i know i love it so so after you know after my friend tells me that it's called the taurus uh i google of course and I, that's what came up and i'm right. watching this and i was like you know like whoa this is it that's what i'm talking yeah, about that's yeah. what's being shown to me you know and i'm not a scientist and here's another really cool thing so after i put all the science you know into the to, to the manuscript and then i was like oh my gosh i wonder if it, you know how theoretically plausible this stuff is so i through grace, I met a NASA aerospace engineer, an atheist, mind you, an atheist NASA aerospace engineer, but a sci-fi geek, like total sci-fi fan. Yeah, like he, my brother, atheist sci-fi geek. Yeah, go on. Right, go on. right. So kind of, you know, if you're a sci-fi geek, you got to be open to some pretty cool stuff. But so he read the manuscript and I said, you know, just uh, I want you to look at all the science in there and I want you to vet it to see if it's theoretically possible because I don't want to put something out that then you know some engineer comes back to me and says you couldn't possibly and and Karen all of it 
he tweaked a couple of tiny things, nothing about the Taurus, nothing he didn't tweet. He said, yes, all of it is, uh, is possible. There's one cool thing that I, I want to tell you that he did he tweak. So in the novel, they have this technology that they have a bag, you know, you put food or whatever in a bag and, and they can take the bag when it's empty and put it in their hand and squeeze it and it, and it disintegrates into nothing. And, and he said, that is actually theoretically possible, except you would have to have something left over. He said, so just have it where there's a little bit of H2O in their hand, a little bit of water is left over because that's what it breaks down to. So that was theoretically possible as well so some man, that was a really cool thing that he did that and, and he uh, loves the novel and he's an atheist i was like a, this I, is so cool uh i understand why people are atheists because the representation of god has come through the oh, yeah. of religion and when you listen yeah. to that stuff you just go oh that's bullshit yeah. anyway Great. so I, I wanted i heard you say that on another podcast and then you spoke about you know the transition of the states of water and and i thought to myself you know, what a scientist thinks is theoretically theoretically possible today is going to explode in our future. So, yeah. I mean, we're getting future intelligence or you're getting Sorry. future intelligence downloaded into this book. And, um, and a scientist today is not up to speed with them. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, that yeah. was one thing I thought. And I also thought, you know, he said there'd have to be something left over. And that something left over doesn't necessarily have to be in a liquid or solid state, can be in a gaseous state, right? True. Which looks invisible. True. Right. So that, that water could just turn into steam anyway, my imagination. Yeah. Joke. But yeah. the thing that I loved that you said in another podcast was how, you know, talking about critical mass and, you know, how different mm -hmm. states are changing and transitioning. Oh, you're really yes. changed. Do you want to talk about that? Because I've been telling everyone I've met, everyone, oh, good. even in groups, I've been saying, I heard this from yes, Donna. Yes, yes, yes. Very important. This is so important. In the story, the during the ravaging era, what happens is it's madness on this planet. They are in the height of egoic separation and fighting each other for the last resources on the planet, you know, destroying the planet, just trying, you know, trying to get everything they can for themselves and their family and their tribe and, you know, and othering everybody else. So, but with the people, so a few people called the wise ones decide they are going to stop. They just are going to stop. They can, they're going to forget and forget. They're going to forgive all of the stories of that. You did this to me and you started this and I, you know, and you, I'm the victim and they just walk away and they go to areas called the vital zones. So the last remaining areas on the planet that are really livable and clean. They find these very remote areas and, and it starts to happen all over the planet. And the wise ones begin to wake up. They have spiritual awakenings. And what they find is that later when, when the rebirthing happens is that once a critical mass of beings have an awakening, then the whole of the planet has a spontaneous shift in consciousness. And that's how they get out of the ravaging era. So that's what we are trying to say. We want to have our own rebirthing on earth with hitting a tipping point. And actually Ken Wilbur, who is considered the Einstein of consciousness, um, he says that we are between five and 8% right now of what he calls integral uh, level of consciousness. And that, it, that, there, that they, he theorizes, and this was after, again, this is all told to me before. So after 
uh, he, he th- I saw that he theorizes that once we hit 10%, then it starts to pull everybody else toward that consciousness, integral consciousness or oneness consciousness, where we actually see each other as our other self, right? It's like, you are my other self. And so, um, yeah, we, it, so it gives us hope because out of that kind of tipping point, once we hit a tipping point like that, and once we hit a critical mass, then out of that consciousness, technologies, ideas, and shifts can happen that will clean the planet and heal us very quickly. But we can't heal the problem at the level the problem was created. And so that's, we're calling it, let's have a rebirthing on earth, our own tipping point. Absolutely. My guides have said exactly the same to me. They did say, however, it was less than 5%, the tipping point. And I said, really? They said, we must stipulate though, that this is not 5% of people thinking about this stuff. This is 5% of people living it like that was the crucial part so there's a lot more people who are thinking about this stuff you know watching it on entertainment and going yeah i believe in aliens and yeah i can meditate yeah but they're not living it they're still fighting on people and fighting with people judging judging and criticizing and god you know like during the trump year and then 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 the pandemic you know the amount of conflict that was revealed inside of people that call themselves spiritual right and yet all this hatred and you're wrong and i'm right and separate was revealed I won't say yeah it happened because of it it was revealed because of it so yeah uh, yeah so that less than five percent tipping point or critical mass yeah. was that you have to actually hold that frequency hold that vibration of of grace of love of oneness of you that's right yeah I totally agree in fact in the book we made it one percent oh wow this yeah we made it one percent because it was really people who had completely surrendered the the need to uh to fight to, to fight to fight and be right <laughs> to be fight and be right it complete and total forgiveness i'm right. so excited too because i want to um uh, also, the, the other reason that we made it 1% is because Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, who, who founded the Transcendental Meditation Movement, did experiments in different cities where he took 1% of the population of a city meditating and, and showed that it changed many social um, uh, conditions in that city for a period of time. Crime rates were lowered, um, you know, fewer hospitalizations, all Uh, kinds of things lowered with 1%. So we also, you know, were like people who were really practicing, like you said, real awakening. It could be far fewer than 10%. Yeah. yeah. And so um, it's, it's, you know, that's, it's an exciting thing. It's really exciting. And I'm, I'm so excited because we want to write the prequel and go back to the ravaging era when that's ravaging era is happening and show how they did their awakening practices to come out of the trauma of the, of the ravaging era and to experience awakening in the midst of it. So I'm hoping to get to write that book. 
Yeah, yeah. it'll happen. Uh, you know, what I loved about what you said on this other podcast was the analogy that you used with water. That's what I've been telling. I've been just sharing that analogy oh, yeah. In, yeah. In, in communities, like, because there's so many people that are, you know, in spiritual communities and they think they're, and they're like, the world looks like it's getting worse, not better. What, you know, we've been talking about awakening for like 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 years. I don't see it happening. I just see more chaos. Do you want to share that analogy? Yeah. Yes, yes. So there are several analogies in uh, in in science um, in the natural world that relate to tipping points, and one of them is with water. So with water, once it hits a critical temperature, so at first it it starts when you heat it up, heat it up. It's very turbulent, uh, you know, and it feels like oh this complete chaos and mess and and it starts to boil. But then it hits that that tipping point, right? That that particular place where it turns then into steam and the steam is this light completely different energy and and experience and expression of water so it's totally different than the boiling and that's what we have that's the opportunity that we have right now we are now in the turbulence of the boiling water but we have the opportunity to turn to steam and be enlightened up and rise above that and completely have it be a different world order yeah. Just loved that analogy because, uh, and I've been fleshing it out ever since I heard you talk about it. Uh, I even did a quick talk in a group that I was in too. And I said, you know, I was sharing that analogy and I said, so in a chaotic world, you know, be the steam, not the water. And so, <laughs> but, you know, when you think about the chaos, I had, um, uh, God, I've gone blank on her name. She channels Mother Mary. it'll come to me in a minute on the show a couple of years ago that spoke about the chaos energy that we're in at the moment and that it is the feminine energy it is the creative energy you know from chaos comes new creativity and I'm like going oh yeah that sounds so cool and um, when you think about the chaos of the boiling water it's like all the water doesn't become steam at once it right. you know it sort of moves and then it gets more like the, there's little drips of steam coming and then there's more steam and then there's like right. this great and so that's kind of what's happening to humanity like there's little drips of people awakening and then more people right. awakening and then there's critical mass and then you know yeah. but yeah. but it doesn't happen like bang all at once it does happen over a uh, a period of time and I'm thinking oh that's so cool the analogy is so pertinent so cool yeah. of the trend there's another really cool one that i love too and that is um a, a laser beam so when um a, a certain number of it's actually the square root of one percent of the photons of light in a field become magnetized to each other the square root of one percent it causes all of the other photons in the field to come together and create a laser beam which is such a powerful force that can cut through you know, cut, cuts through anything else. So that it, you know, it doesn't take much. It's like the, these, these things, we can affect the whole with a very little magnetized energy, but well, it, if we as individuals can hold that energy, we can affect the whole. It doesn't take a huge amount. We can offset, uh, David Hawkins talks about offsetting, you know, levels of consciousness. When you rise to certain levels of consciousness, you offset hundreds of thousands or millions of people who are at lower levels of consciousness. So it's such a message of hope, you know, and possibility. Absolutely. And the channeling is of Abraham through Esther. 
Hicks yeah. has, says, has said the same thing. One person connected to the stream of pure positive energy is more influential than thousands who are not. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. So in, don't give up. It yeah. seems very turbulent. It seems like craziness and chaos and everything. But, you know, and, and, and there is, let's, let's be real. Like there is a lot of chaos going on. And to for us to go into that sacred place within on a daily basis and find that quantum field within ourselves, which really, you know, is love. It's filled with sacred love. That's what Kaya showed me is the evolution is, is so profoundly loving, you know, that in, in for us to come into, and the bridge as the course in miracles says is forgiveness. Forgiveness is the bridge of everything that we've ever done. Everything that's ever taken place on the planet daily forgiveness. We, you know, I was listening to somebody talking about Raymond Moody, who is the near death experience guy, right? He talks about how, you know, these people have these near death experiences, but they come back and he said, you know, it's hard living here. You still want to strangle at least one person a day, you know? (laughs) So we got to be compassionate with ourselves. I find that we are the most courageous beings in the universe and can't be harder any or more challenging anywhere it can't I mean I've heard it's not possible but it's more challenging than this to you know and so we are you know we are incredible beings all of us who have chosen to be here at this time it's like wow we are so amazing it's really true yeah courageous beings something I was going to say I've lost my train of thought now what was it I think that having you you doing this podcast just this what you've decided to do and this beam of light into the world you know me writing this novel which i have to say spiritual people i'm going to tell you read some spiritual fiction please people are like oh i read but i only read nonfiction. i'm like really because that's all you're going to see then you're just going to see more egoic storytelling if you don't support spiritual fiction and you support support spiritual storytelling that's you're not going to see it on your screens and in your on uh, you know on your bookshelves it's not going to happen so story is so important it's such a huge thing we have to tell new stories to wake up and heal we must tell new stories and so that's what you know i'm trying to do not just with this story but to help open the door for other spiritual storytellers and conscious storytellers you know even do you do you get ted lasso there do you get the show ted lasso it's on apple okay but it's yeah, in I'm the sure United get, States. I'm sure we get it here, but I yeah. haven't watched it. What it's is so it? sweet. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a sitcom and it's so, there's so much sweetness and there's so much spirituality in it. And it's so kind. And um, it's so, you know, it's not, but it's not like super spiritual or, or whatever, overtly there's hints, you know, little hints, but it's about kindness and forgiveness. That's what it's about. And so it's, you know, that kind of programming and, and it's so popular. People are dying for this stuff it's like get a clue come on let's have more of this you know so and then you know who else has figured this out pixar disney pixar the little kids all of the most profound spiritual entertainment lately has been for the children and i'm like wait a minute so they have soul in kanto um frozen especially frozen 2 very spiritual you know these these movies for children and i'm like let's transfer this it's great great entertainment we can do this as adults as well but we have to it's going to have to be driven by by audience it's like 
we need to support these kinds of stories. Right, right. And I once spoke to somebody who talked about entertainment and even in the news field, you know, he said that there was a, there was a famous saying that said, if it, if it bleeds, it leads, you know, going, right. back to, uh, going back to the violence. If it doesn't have violence yeah. in it, then the people with the big money are not interested in it. That's um, right. But that's got a shift, you know, that the, yes. the audience has to say, I'm hungry for things that it's not about bleeding. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm hungry for this stuff. But um, talking about telling new stories, you know, the, the stories that we're telling, are the, the stories that we're watching are the stories that we're telling ourselves about who we are. Um, you know, like as I watch entertainment, it's about getting revenge and being pissed off and somebody's mean to you, done something terrible to you. And instead of allowing that to be a spiritual awakening and seeing how you've created all of it. It's like, I've got, <laughs> I've got a, I've got a revenge and kill that yes. person. And, and like, yes. there are the stories yes. we're listening to and they're the stories we're telling ourselves. And so, yeah, this, the most important story is the story in our head. I'm not right. enough. I'm not good enough. I can't get what I want. And, you know, strategizing to like, how can I get what I want? It's right. not it's not okay just to be loving and have it all magnetized towards you. I've got to lie and deceit and tell, you know, lie, you know, in order to get what I want. Yeah. The stories right. we're telling ourselves. Yes, it's yeah. true. It, it's all true. I mean, how many stories of revenge and betrayal, betrayal and revenge, you know, can can we can we are we going to be interested in? You know, it's like, oh, he, he cheated on me and I'm getting back at him and you know, whatever it is. And then the other right. stories of showing us is really greedy, you know, a lot of greed, um, you know, and uh, stepping on other people to get what we want. Uh, the the depictions of humanity that are the primary depictions that we're seeing these days. I mean, it is like, whoa, hair whoa. raising, hair know. raising, you know? You know, the, one of the biggest stories that are told in entertainment is killing people. And it's always over money, usually money or or jealousy or revenge. Right. It's like yeah. you kill somebody over money, like it's gangster right. things. You know, I'm going to shoot you because you're stealing my money. It's like right. we've made money so important that we would yes. take another human life. Right. Uh, yeah, and and that and that to the person that is completely immersed in entertainment is like, yeah, that's normal, you know. And right. and to a highly conscious civilization, they must look at this and go, oh my god. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. There's a scene in the novel where they, you know, the Akarans are come here and they hide behind the moon to kind of like figure out earth and how, okay, we're going to go down. Where, where are we supposed to go? They're not sure where, where exactly even the Mayan pyramids are. They don't even know what they're called. They just have this footage that they don't, they're trying to figure it out. So they're behind the moon and they're watching entertainment. They're watching some, you know, news and they're watching some entertainment and, and they look up movies about aliens. Like what is the perception? of a of you know extraterrestrial beings and they're like oh my oh gosh my this is horrendous they're gonna think we're trying to like take over and you know like oh my you know kill like, people yeah, yeah kill yeah. people and, and and you know own their bodies and you know whatever and so it's just it, that's a really funny scene when they're trying to figure in this stuff out and they're just like oh this is not good you know and they're like you know but they they have this compassion because they've come from their own 
ravaging era where they came out of that. So they don't have judgment. They're like, oh, this is part of the evolution of consciousness. And it's freaking us out, you know, it, it too. Because, yeah, it's it's crazy to, you know, it, can you imagine being on an awakened planet where it's like, everybody sees each other as one it's just there's no separation and there's just awakeness and uh you know people if there's if the stuff comes up you you work through it there's healing centers everywhere all of that and and one thing that i love about the novel is there's uh these um academies called intelliki academies mm -hmm. and they are for young people intelliki means um the innate uh uh that that seed within you that is ready to flower and become whatever your purpose is in life so the intelliki of an of an acorn is to become an oak tree mm. right so the intelliki we have intelliki within each of us of what is our highest vibrational path and so that's what they that's their schooling they send people their kids to intelliki academy to find out what that is within them and then they encourage it so um, oh, can you it. imagine living in that? How amazing that would be? Yes, I can imagine it. And I have been I imagining it most of my life. The right. Academy is something that's been, it's been, that was a download to me in 2013, 14. Mm -hmm. Yeah, creating university academies just for that spiritual consciousness awakening. That's um, right. Yeah. I can't imagine yeah. it. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. exactly. I, I mean, mean, and this is what we need to vision. This is what we need to depict. Right. And this is what we need to envision and hold within ourselves rather than the, the, the depictions that we're seeing now. It's like, right. it's not, it's not good. We're not, it's not helping at all. Right. This isn't, they're not helping us. It's really, it's helping things fall apart really, right. really fast. So yeah. And we don't have to, we don't have to do that. So turn off the TV with, you know, the news and turn on the highest vibrational entertainment that you can and read books that are and stories, not just, you know, nonfiction. I'm telling you, read stories that are uplifting, super important. Yeah. I've had a few people on the show that have that same intent of creating comics and uh, fictional um, entertainment with spiritual messages to get it out there to the mainstream media. Uh, but how do you spell IntelliKey? E-N-T-E-L-E-C-H-Y. IntelliKey. Wow. IntelliKey Academies. Oh, I'm loving that. IntelliKey Academies. Yeah, check out the definition of an IntelliKey. It's such a cool, cool So where does that word originate from? I don't know. I, you know who I heard say it first was Dr. Gene Houston, who gave okay. us a, a quote for the book, mm -hmm. you know, and so I just, you know, she talks about IntelliKey. She's such a visionary, you know, mm -hmm. and so she loved this because it's this visionary depiction in, in story form. Yeah. So absolutely. she's a huge fan of the novel. Absolutely. It's something I tell my tribe to do all the time instead of focusing on what is that's distressing you. Uh, use the what is to give birth to desire to think about what could be. And mm -hmm. um, like Esther Hicks or Abraham through the teachings of, um, through Esther says, uh, you know, like most humans are, um, their vibration is set because they're focusing on what is that they don't agree with, whether it's right. personal or collective, and that's creating their vibrational frequency instead mm -hmm. of being deliberate enough to focus on like to use the what is to give birth to desire so if that's what i don't want what do i want mm 
and then shift the focus from what is to what you want and allow that, the imagination, the focus, the desire, allow that to pull you into that, you know, into that future and to change your vibrational frequency. Yeah. And and so media understands this. They present you with all the stuff that's going wrong and everyone's in chaos all the time. And so our frequency, the collective consciousness, the collective frequency is one of fear. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. The other thing that I think is important, in addition to um, holding the the vibration that you want, and and what do you want to to experience, and how would it feel to have and be who you want to be? I was doing that this morning before I got out of bed. Of like, how would it feel for this book to really reach? you know, across the world, become a movie, really have, be able to have spiritual storytelling, be something that breaks through this glass ceiling in in the entertainment industry that says that spiritual storytelling isn't a thing unless you're five years old, you know? And so, and, and I just, this gratitude, it was just like this, oh my gosh, this incredible, immense, like fireworks display of gratitude within me, you know, because it's, it's not me. It's, this is, this is what's wanting to come and be in the world now it's wanting to, to, to happen in the world so that's important and also what's really important because we all have gone through as we've talked about we're very courageous is to really understand that we've all had traumas you know we've all had traumas because we were almost everybody's raised by parents who are in an unconscious state so um you know to also do and i wanted to pick this in the next novel of the of how they woke up is like really be gentle with ourselves in our in our and understand and have compassion with our trauma that we've been through so it's it's not just because we can bypass, you know, we can try to bypass the pain and the hurt and the shadow, but it's also the shadow work that, that we need to go into and get real about, get really honest with ourselves about what's going on inside of us and then do the, the awakening, the, the, the holding the vibration work, you know, and some people, you know, don't have a a lot of dark, material to work with but a lot of people do especially these days and you know we're all kind of traumatized by covid and the you know political landscape and now ukraine oh my gosh oh that's insane so yeah so just it's like i i just i'm just feeling a lot of love and kindness and compassion for us as a species and that we need to share that with ourselves and each other mm, beautifully said yeah mm. not as not only is it wanting to be birthed it already has been birthed uh it's it, it exists in time and space i think that the um the compassion and the love of a highly evolved civilization is just like you say because they live outside of our linear time experience they you know regardless of how long they live they can see where their civilization has come from um, and yeah. they can see the the past the present the future you know they have this they have this yeah. gift of being able to navigate time and all its aspects i've had so many people on the Mm. show who have been contacted by either by ets or angels who have opened up um probable futures and shown them probable futures to some of them that were just a bit like your experience but some of them were children at the time i remember Mm. lorna byrne said that she was like about 10 years old and the angels showed her all these probable futures like this screen opened up in front of her while over a when she was outside over a um a river or a, or a creek or something anyway and um 
and she was shown all this destruction and world war and stuff. And I remember her saying, what am I supposed to do? I'm just a kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would be overwhelming. Yes. But, and again, people be up on ships with greys and they've had the same sort of technology where they've, you know, the looking glass technology where you can look into probable futures. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they have that hindsight of seeing the past and the future. And, right. Uh, and even though they must watch this crazy world and what we do with our entertainment and what we think they must think that we're a crazy maniac snake pit um mm-hmm. yeah they they know that we're and they love us completely too the, that's the, the thing like, culture yeah kaya was just like it was like it was like as if um i would walk through a forest and a baby panda would walk up like out of no and i would just be like oh oh my gosh like a newborn baby panda or you know it's the most exotically beautiful precious creature that's how she saw me just like oh my gosh just so so precious you know like we oh. as a species are just so precious to them you know and and so we need to hold that for ourselves as well it's just because that's who we really are we are so magnificent even in our messiness you know even in all the messiness it's like we are so profound that we've done this to ourselves that we've veiled ourselves to this degree and come into this incarnation to to, to like experience what it's like to be this dense into this dense of an incarnation and then have the experience of opening and awakening and opening and awakening through lifetimes it's like what a journey you know that's a story so we are telling the most incredible story possible right now and that's what is you know easter just happened and it really is the jesus story it's like we put ourselves on this cross of like this suffering and incarnating in this density and then but then we resurrect out of it you know we we actually have this potential and and truth of that of coming out of it rebirthing coming into a resurrected state and and knowing the truth of who we are that's what the universe is about i mean this is amazing stuff to the universe and that's why these beings are just like blown away they just think we are incredible you know because we're doing this thing that's just like this huge 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 transformation yeah and it's happening right here with all of us you know it's and all of us are little wildflowers across the planet (laughs) you know it's like popping up everywhere it's happening right here right now i think that the message to anyone that has been uh going through their dark night of the soul is that density was created to be explored and witnessed and experienced, but it wasn't ever created to stay there. Right. (laughs) Whatever you're going through, if you're feeling down or depressed or like I'm a failure, I can't get what I want or whatever story that you've got going on. Yeah. um, We created it to experience the density, but we never created it to stay there. You know, it is the Mm -hmm. transformation out of that state into the, out of the solid state, into the liquid state, into the gas state. Mm -hmm. That's that is right. that transformation. That is the journey we came for. Yeah. And that's happening now personally and collectively. It is. Oh, what an amazing story. Okay. So let's look future. I'm seeing a Netflix series made out of the book. Uh, have you had any, have you had any proposals for that yet? I'm seeing it. 
Um, I actually, it's a lot of people see it as a movie, a big sci-fi epic movie. Yeah. Um, because it, it's a really, you know, it would be cool as a series, but it's a big, um, kind of like Dune, uh, type of size of film. I mean, it's a big, it's, it would be a big, big production. But the big epic movies turn into Netflix series. Like there's, that's true. Dune is now. So uh, yeah. there, there are more eyes on the streaming platforms than there are right. going to the cinema now. So, yes. I mean, we've got this idea that, you know, success is the big blockbuster movie, but actually mm-hmm. success is the is the series on the streaming yeah. platform today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, for sure. It's, you know, so yeah, I have some, you know, some connections and people were trying to get it to. Um, so what really, you know, needs to happen is just people reading it and holding the vibration for it, mm-hmm. uh, signing up for our newsletter, because on our website, you you can actually sign up for our newsletter and uh, and it gives you the full story, like in detail of my, of my experience with Kaya um, for, you know, we just send that to you. And it's really, I'm trying to build a tribe of people who are holding the vision for Mm. earth as an awakened planet. And also there's two really big missions. One is to um, have our own rebirthing on earth and also to transform the entertainment industry and the publishing industry so that we're telling new stories. So both of those things are on the website. Um, We talk about those in in detail. So yeah, I would love for people to read the book and, and join the tribe and, uh, you know, stay in touch and, you know, uh, tell other people about the book and, you know, support, support conscious story. Yeah. Conscious media, support conscious media. I had that discussion with Stephen Simon on the show. Stephen and I've become friends. Uh, He spent his life, you know, pumping out messages through the Hollywood system. Um, Mm -hmm. not specifically spiritual although he did make the movie about the conversation with God about near Dollar Walsh and the Indigo movie Um, but movie that was about romance and time travel and stuff like that with all his movies uh, yeah, so he's retired now, but I'm going to tell him all about this book. I'm, oh, good. He, he Everybody keeps it. telling me. Yes, it's like every he's on my list. Stephen Simon, get this book to Stephen Simon. So I would love to do that. It's really this one. Um, so well, I'm sure everybody. I'll introduce you guys. Yeah, oh, that would be great. That would be, I mean, just today. This is so cool, Karen. He's on my list and I'm like, oh, because I've had other people say, you know, contact Stephen Simon. He's perfect. But, but to be able to have an introduction would be so cool. That would I would really, really appreciate that. He's it, he's retired now, but uh, he would just love he would just love because he, he has that same mission, you know, because he's yeah. he's sort of winding up his life. He's written his own book uh, about his communication with his wife who transitioned a few years ago. Right. I saw that and, on his um, website. Uh, like he's, yeah, he's sort of winding down. I don't know. I want him to, he, he's feeling like he wants to sort of go and be with her. But I, you know, life, when we finish, when we finish our life in this life, we still continue life. Like we still continue. Yes. Our mission never stops just because we leave our body. And That's I still, right. I see him either incarnating back and like fulfilling more of that mission. And yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. More That's cool. But darling one, what what an amazing what an amazing book! Yeah, read the book. It's it's on all the platforms. I'll have the affiliate links yeah. uh, on my yeah. webpage. Yeah, Amazon and- is really the place to get it uh, at the moment. Um, you can get it on ebook and the audio book. People love the audio book. Our narrator is amazing. He's bilingual, so he does all the Guatemalan and Mexican parts in with a Latino accent. Oh, cool! Um, and yeah, he just brings it to life on all the sacred parts. He totally gets the sacredness of it. It's 
just, he's amazing. So, and then of course it's a paperback, beautiful paperback. Um, and so, yeah, I would love for you guys to. Tell us about the cover. What was mm-hmm. the, the eye? So the eye, so yeah. people listen on audio, it's an eye and half of it is yeah. blue and half of it, it actually looks, it looks like a beach scene to me. It looks like the ocean coming onto the sand. That's what I thought. Oh, cool. I, I like that. Yeah. 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 It's an eye. Well, it's a, first of all, it's a Taurus, as you can tell. So it's the, uh, you know, the iris and then the center of the Taurus is the quantum field, but that's the pupil. But also this is Mobius's eye. The main character is Mobius, a young alien um, on Akara. And his, his eyes are half blue or partially blue and partially orange. And depending on the light, uh, that he's in that it's you, you get more orange when it's lighter out and more blue when it's darker out so he has kind of effectively built in night goggles into cool. his vision with yeah. his and so it changes depending on the amount of light so they have very very strong vision on Akara and so and they've been big they have large eyes and really profound vision so the eye is and the eye of awakening just you know wake up yeah the third eye of awakening right. yeah oh how beautiful <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Karen. Such a wonderful talk. I really enjoyed it. What a wonderful conversation with Dana. Wow. Sounds amazing. Can you envisage an enlightened society on planet Earth? Something I think about often as we look out into the way the world is working in the moment, it seems hard to imagine that planet Earth can be an enlightened society. And many people who do think about it think that the only way that we can be enlightened and sustainable is to take ourselves out of society, to go into the country and live you know, off the grid and grow your own veggies and do all the hard yakka like they did in the past. But I really believe that, just like Dana said, that when our consciousness shifts, you know, we can use the technology that we're developing in a way that is beneficial for all, including the environment and the planet and the animals and everything, that we don't have to keep living in such a turbulent, violent way that we live now on planet Earth. So many practices that we have are so unsustainable and violent. Excuse me. Thinking of our food system, uh, yeah, look, there's a there's a Netflix um, documentary series called Rotten, which talks about the way food is produced all around the world. You know, nuts, avocados, the um, agriculture, meat and dairy industry, like all the industries, and it is shocking how how our food is produced around the world and how much violence is. You'd think that growing avocados wouldn't be a violent thing but the majority especially for you guys in the u.s the majority of your avocados come from south america and there's a whole mafia cartel that are controlling the avocado industry like you think that the the humble little avocado that you put on your salad or your sandwiches doesn't involve violence but not not on planet earth anyway it's very eye-opening and shocking Um, it isn't enlightening but it is eye-opening and um, how can we do better than that you know how can we do better than that so the whole purpose of exposing the corruption here on planet earth is to come up with new ways of doing things rather than just assuming that the way we're doing things everything everything the way we propel our vehicles the what what we eat how we educate our children our health system our health care system or our sick care system 
and we just assume that all the systems of our world are just the way it's been done and we don't think about changing them but all of them need a revamp to move into a you know an enlightened civilization it all needs to change and uh, that's what's boiling on planet earth at the moment that's the transformation of our world the tipping point the boiling point as we move into the steam dana and i were just talking about that and she was saying you know there's a lot more examples of um how substance transforms on the website which uh is the website for the book is awakethenovel.com is the website for the book so there's lots to explore on the website about what's in the book and uh, the technology and the science that's in the book awake the novel and uh, she's also got you know the facebook pages and the instagrams and all that sort of thing uh yeah fascinating fabulous fascinating 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 just love that conversation with dana uh, i'll get her back on the show hopefully she'll get the second book up and running um if all of you could visualize the book being made into like a movie or a netflix series or some sort of streaming series get out there on those streaming platforms uh you know disney prime you know all those streaming platforms we've got many of them what there's so many of them now binge stan oh there's masses of them uh, um yeah visualize it hold that hold the image of it and it'll happen it'll help make it happen transform the entertainment industry that's another industry that needs to, to be renovated turning our um our media diet you know what we feed on with our minds our minds are feeding on the violence in the entertainment industry let's let's feed the world love let's feed the world love feed the world possibility creative potential science possibility consciousness possibility let's feed the world love through the entertainment industry that's what i've been attempting to do with the shows for 12 years um, pumping messages out there that are helping you awaken helping you deal with your stressful and negative thoughts helping you feel better about who you are as creative genius you are all creative genius and how you can affect this world with your consciousness uh, with every part of your being how you can affect the transition of this world just working uh when i say just don't use that word just working on yourself uh, personal growth work limit you know transforming your limiting ideas about yourself cleaning up the hatred and resentments that you have towards others your family that work is so powerful in the collective because we're all you know united and as you work on yourself you are greatly helping this world transform but what happens when we do work on ourselves and we do start to love ourselves more and to be more accepting of who we are and to be more aware of who we are as creative potential we start receiving downloads downloads from our higher self our future selves our spirit guides our angelic team our team and as we receive those downloads we get inspired and then we get inspired to act it's like oh i want to talk about this i want to start a podcast show write a book do a movie write poetry sing a song start a retreat center you know be, become a teacher yeah we get inspired to act but the work has to happen first rather than wanting to be something and then struggling against your negative beliefs that's that's hard right clean up the negative beliefs and then you'll be inspired to act and put who you are out into the world in a way that can affect change for yourself and others but as i say just loving yourself completely and wholly 
is is doing amazing work in this world it's affecting the five percent that we spoke about or the one percent in the book you know adding to that critical mass of love be the love be the love you are love remember to feel it in every aspect of your world in every thought remember to feel the love overcome the negative thoughts Alrighty, i'm not going to say too much more amazing conversation with Dana, I was looking forward to that because um, she sent me an email a while ago and, uh, you know, I booked the shows out and uh, I was watching her on other podcast shows and I was thinking, oh, wow, man, I can't wait to have this conversation. So I was really looking forward to that. All righty, who's coming up this weekend? Rachel Burns coming up to talk about dragon energy and light codes uh, in the inner sanctum. And uh, who else is coming up? Oh, there's a whole lot of other people coming up. Check out the website, currentswain.com slash inner sanctum. You'll see people who are coming up. Uh, they it'll, it is free now on the um, on the streaming platforms on YouTube and uh, and uh, if you want to join the Zoom and meet the people, I should get Dana in to talk about the book too. Yeah, I'll do that. Uh, yeah, you can come and meet the people that I'm talking to on Zoom. Just put your email in and uh, I'll send you the Zoom link and you can come and meet the people. And remember, if you haven't checked out the book Awakened by Death. It is also available. Thank you again for listening and watching and sharing the shows. I really do appreciate all your love and support for the work that I'm doing in the world. Big love. Bye for now.